0: If you are a fan of the Dive Bar Rockstar podcast and would like to help support the show, there's a great way that you can do that and start a new fashion trend. We have a new merchandise page on the website which features t-shirts and hoodies that are available for sale on Amazon. Just click on merchandise in the top menu and all of the links will be there or go directly to divebarrockstar.com slash merchandise. Get started early on your Christmas shopping at divebarrockstar.com. Welcome to the Dive Bar Rockstar Podcast, a show exploring the lives of professional musicians of all types touring musicians, recording artists, songwriters, engineers, bar bands, wedding bands, and anyone making their living in the music industry. Whether you've dreamed of being a professional or you already are one, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Eric Baines, and I hope that you not only find some entertainment here, but also some helpful tips, trade secrets, and ideas that will help you achieve your dreams. Well, it's raining cats and dogs here in Los Angeles tonight, um, which is kind of nice. You know, people say we don't have seasons, but I assure you we do, even though they may not look like the ones in other parts of the world. But uh, the skies have definitely opened up as they do on a normal non-drought year. (laughs) So it's it's time to remember where to stash that umbrella that you put away last year and haven't seen since. I'm really excited because I got my copy of Lise Klar's book that we talked all about on his episode, and it's it's really incredible. It seems weird at first, I'm not going to lie, because it is just a bunch of people flipping you off. <laughs> um, but as you continue, it kind of becomes this really cool combination of art and history, because just the sheer amount of people that are in the book, it, it's it's unbelievable. It's really, really neat. It was also cool to see some friends and other folks that have been on the podcast that, you know, made it into the book. So maybe as you're, you should get your own book. I would definitely suggest it. And as you're looking through it, you should see if you can spot the people that have been on this podcast. But anyways, make it a drinking game. That's what I would do. And you can get a copy of the book at LelandSklar'sBeard.com. It's sixty bucks for just the book, or eighty bucks for a signed copy, and that's the one I got. So this will be the last podcast for a few weeks. I'm going to take a little break, uh, partially just to rest my brain because this is a ton of work. <laughs> it's fun work most of the time, but it is it's it's a lot a lot of work but also to finish some music projects that uh, I have in the works that I hope to release and to start some other things that I'm hoping that will be really cool in the new year. So I will keep you posted on that stuff when we return. But this should also give you some time to catch up on some old episodes. And speaking of great bass players, we happen to have one on the show with us today. He's Zooming from Venice, Italy, so I apologize in advance for the sound quality. But he's a really, really great bass player, and he has toured and recorded with some incredible people such as Barry Manilow, Keb Moe, Mindy Aber, Keiko Matsui, Bobby Caldwell, Dave Coz, Jody Watley, Michael Franks, Al Jarreau, Rick Braun, Jonathan Butler, the list goes on and on and on. He was the house bass player for the Howie Mandel Show, which led to four years as the bass player for The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. And he's got a new record out that's just awesome. I highly recommend it. It came out on December 15th called String Theory. And you can hear that on Spotify or wherever you listen to music. He's an amazing guy who gave me a lot of opportunities when I first came to LA. So I'm super grateful. I'm so happy to have him on the show. And I hope you enjoy my conversation with Stan Sargent. So how are you doing? Oh, everything's going good.
1: Everything's going great, you know, in spite of everything that's going on. I guess uh, once um, we stopped working, that was back in March. Mm -hmm. uh, It was my intention to stay in L.A. for a while and then, you know, just try to figure out what was going on. Right. Uh, My wife called me up and said, yeah, you have to come home right now. So I actually came home then. And and as a matter of fact, I caught the last plane out of New York that was allowed to come out. Wow. Um, Yeah. So I've been here since uh, March 21st. And uh, I guess... uh, spend the most of the time working on stuff and and uh, being creative. And unfortunately, during the summer, we had places we could play. They had uh, they lifted some of the restrictions, and so uh, uh, we were allowed to play outside. So that that helped a whole lot. But yeah, that's good. We're, we're musicians, you know. We find a way through it. You know, it's yeah. part of our nature. We uh, we kind of uh, introverts anyway, so we sit and just be creative, and uh, that's pretty much how it happens with everybody. Yeah. So. Just be a deluge of people uh coming out with CDs and you know. <laughs> and podcasts and podcasts yeah there you go
0: hopefully this vaccine will fix stuff and uh, you know at least get us back to work you know
1: uh i'm hoping i 'm hoping it's, yeah. it's uh it's kind of difficult to tell personally i'm not afraid of it, uh, but uh, I'm afraid of it for my friends more than anything else you know uh, I mean, for example, I'm working with Barry Manilow, and he's he's 77 now. Wow! You know, um, and uh, there's no way I want him to go up on stage and risk his life just so I can make some money. You know, doesn't right. make sense. Uh, you know, uh, I would much rather he he just you know relax, maybe even retire and, and work when he felt like it. You know, as opposed to putting his life at risk and his fans. You know, so right.
0: I thought Barry Manilow did retire.
1: Uh, he did kind of the same way James Brown retired. You know, so. Uh, I think he went home after a couple of months. He got completely bored and decided to go back. And so um, yeah. he was happy what he was doing. You know, we had a residency in Vegas. And so, uh, you know, he, he would stay there. He stayed on top of the hotel, the penthouse, which is basically it's a mansion sitting on top of the hotel. It's just it's just crazy. It's uh, Elvis Presley's uh, mansion. Oh, wow. And so everything's over the top. Everything. Um, So he stays there during the He play for three days and he goes back home and, you know, boom, chakalaka. You know, he seemed very comfortable with that. Uh, He didn't like to travel a whole lot, so uh, especially flying. So um, this is a perfect thing for him. So hopefully the the hotel will stay afloat. Um, It's just it was difficult to tell right now.
0: Well, COVID is something that you might know something about because you're, you're an incredible bass player, but you actually have a degree in molecular biology. Am I, am I correct in that?
1: Yeah, but I don't remember a thing. I mean, it's just <laughs> gone. Completely gone. You know? uh, I wasn't all that good when I was doing it. It's completely gone now. <laughs> uh, no, but I do have, I do have a, a great uh, love for, for science. And yes, we did, we did uh, some study... Uh, you know, basically molecular biology is a study of protein formation, messenger and ribosomal RNA and how they interact and how to make the proteins that, that, you know, make us function. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did have uh, uh, some study in uh, viruses and, uh, you know, basically how they function, how they work, you know, how phages uh, attack viruses and viruses attack bacteria and, and, and cells. And, and uh, it's ugly to watch. But, um,
0: <laughs> so how did you get from biology to bass playing or was it always a th- uh, th- at the same time or,
1: um, actually it, it was at the same time. I, um, I was playing music for, since I was like maybe 17, 16 years old, I used to play drums. Oh, and okay. I started that when I was 12. I started playing the bass at about uh, 16. I wasn't allowed to bring any drums to, to, uh, school. So, um, I, I took up the bass and exclusively and, and I actually used the bass in order to pay for some of my schooling. My mother paid for the first year and then uh, uh, I would work at night and that, that got me through. That got me through school.
0: And you worked at night playing in bars and stuff?
1: Yes, yes. We played as a Howard Johnson. Oh, nice. Five nights a week. Yeah, <laughs> five <laughs> nights a week.
0: That's a good gig. I'd take that gig now.
1: Oh, no, it was great. I'd still take that gig now, you know? <laughs> Yeah, didn't make much, but um, you know it was it was enough to. I mean, w- when you're a kid in college, nobody makes much money, you know. Right. Yeah. Uh, and there was also a work study program. Uh, I, I went to Howard University, and the one thing I love about that school is that they they took their time. It was a very nurturing school. Let's say if you're having any problems with your studies, uh, they would immediately assign someone to help you out, assign a tutor, someone that was upperclassman to help you out. Uh, if you didn't have enough money, they'd find some way to find some work. Either working at the hospital, I worked at the hospital. There were, there were certain business offices that had affiliation with the school, mm-hmm. um, so they made sure that you got through. You know, and I'll, I'll always be grateful to that school for that.
0: And you were taking music classes as well?
1: Uh, no, no, oh. I um, did not take any music classes. I would hang out um, at, in the music departments, uh, but I didn't take any classes. I, I, as a matter of fact, when I first went to Howard, I. Um, wanted to audition for the music program. So I went in and uh, the chairman listened to me for about 10 seconds. And then he said, stop, let me do you a favor. You'll never make it in the music business, find another major. So that's what I did. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Um, It's a hilarious story because um, after that, when I graduated, I I ended up doing a lot of commercials around town, a lot of recording. And I would finish laying down the bass and he would come into the horn section. Part of the horn section, he would come in. Wow! Uh, and the final time that I met him, Barry Manilow had a concert in Washington D.C., and he used the highest orchestra. And so I'm, I'm practicing, and, and I looked down. The horn section's sitting right next to me, and he's sitting right there, <laughs> you
2: know, the next <laughs> chair.
1: <laughs> and I was like, what a coincidence! So I was like, you know, God has a sense of humor. It was hilarious. <laughs>
0: that's amazing and this is in dc obviously and and you do you grow up in dc or
1: no no i grew up in new york uh i was born in dc i i moved up to new york when i was about uh eight nine years old got you and so uh i uh left new york and came to school and then um uh ended up staying in dc for about uh, 12 years or so
0: so then how did you learn how to play the bass are you just self-taught or are you taking less? Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: You pick it up and play it. That's why I play it upside down and backwards. I picked it up the <laughs> wrong way. <laughs> you know? it's wow, just, that's you know, amazing. By the time someone told me it was too late. You know, <laughs> uh, I tried turning it the other way around. It's just, I don't know how you guys do it. <laughs> oh, man. <That's laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not wrong. You're wrong. It's, it's it, Look, the, 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 the fat strings on the bottom... <laughs> and the Thin on the top.
0: <laughs> wow. I, I guess I never thought about it. I should have. So I, I guess I play it the wrong way.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, you know,
0: it's, it's funny because I've been watching a lot of you play the last couple of days and just on YouTube and whatnot. And and uh, it's it's really somewhat hard to watch for someone. It just twists my brain up. Because so, you also, when you're doing the popping and slapping, it's like completely the opposite of what would normally occur. Like you're, you're slapping with your fingers and popping with your thumb. And, uh, it's just, it's crazy to watch. And you're so good at it. It just makes me, it's like a disorienting thing of like, what, how how have I been so wrong? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, well, I, I, I appreciate the compliments. Um, I guess as a musician, you know, it's always a work in progress. And, and the sound is close, you know, it's it's close to fool people, but it's not quite, you know, it's not quite the thumb. And, and there's so many tricks that, that you guys can do that I can't do. You know, I try to find ways around it. And sometimes I can actually hit the notes and make it sound kind of way, like triplets and stuff like that. But um, it's not quite the same.
0: <laughs> but it, But it gives you a completely unique sound, which is pretty cool and you know i've i've i when oh. i first moved out here i subbed for you you know quite a bit like uh i remember i i subbed with chuck wansley's band which is a casual band you know like weddings and stuff and um johnny friday was the drummer and he was telling me one time that it's like yeah it's really hard to it's really hard to sub for stan because of his tone because no one can get that tone cuz you're you're kind of tapping the strings Versus, not always, but like you have this kind of, it's not really slapping, but it's not really just a regular finger sound. And uh, so it, it tripped me out for a while.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love Johnny Friday. He's, he's just, we fell in love when we first met. And uh, I when he first got into town and he came in because uh, he got called to do the Chubby Chase show. Oh, cool. And, uh, and he said... The first day, it came on air. Once the camera light turned on and he saw Chevy Chase's face, he knew it was over. <laughs> you know, so I might as well pack my drugs up now. You know, it's done. He's not. He's, he, uh, it was a best. And he was right. He was yeah. Right.
0: Wow. Yeah. I think Chevy Chase actually ad- admits that he just wasn't prepared. He didn't really take it seriously. He thought he was going to go on there and just, just goof off. And it's too bad because the potential of that show was so cool.
1: Sure, sure. He had a good reputation. He had a good following. Uh, I guess some people take to it naturally. I think the 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 main thing when it comes to a show like that, you can't take yourself too seriously. That's one thing I liked about Jay Leno. Jay Leno, what you saw there was was who he was, you know, and he felt comfortable. It was like it was like he he was in his he was on his couch, and so it it wasn't a thing where he was trying to. To be uh, be somebody, he was being Jay Leno. But uh, yeah, you know, you know, actually, Chuck Wansley is uh, where is he? Chuck Wansley? Oh,
0: very cool. Yeah, that was he's great, phenomenal entertainer, and that that gig just. Kicked my butt because I I, yes. I was not the reader that I thought I was when I got to town, and then uh, and I was just thrown into that band of, <laughs> of phenomenal players, you know, and and I also was new to town. I didn't have the vocabulary because I, I figure I, I think each city has its own vocabulary, you know, and and I was from Denver, very different set of tunes than than L.A. So I got here and and you were like, yeah, you just you know play the songs you know and read the ones you don't. Like, okay, that sounds great. No, it was like, it was like big band charts with very notated bass lines, you know, and, and no chord symbols, you know, and I was like, oh, it's like this. Okay, I'm going to,
1: this is. And, and, and it goes one, one after the other. Go, go, go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They're just screaming charts. No chart numbers. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, uh, Chuck was hilarious because he, he likes to be frantic. He, he, he thrives on being frantic. So he's singing. Let me say the one thirty four. Everyone grabs it while we're playing. He the next chart. Yeah, and uh, now you know now. <laughs>
0: After 20 years in LA, now, now I'm used to it and now it's good. But as a kid from Denver, I was just like, what is this? This is, and then, you know, so I'm sure at the time, Johnny Friday just hated me and Emilio Palame was, was the keyboard player, just phenomenal phenomenal players, you know? And then I was just trying to keep my head above water, you know?
1: Oh no! Well, I, I look, I, 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 sympathize with you. It's not that was not an easy gig. It, it stuff goes by fast, and these guys have been doing it for a long time. They've been going through these charts forever, so right. Uh, they knew the, they know the drill, and so uh, I'm sure they were understanding about it. Except for Johnny Friday, you probably wouldn't. Oh
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, man! No, he, he, he was. Uh sure to give me some shit about it it was you know lovingly i suppose i don't know he's a, he's a cool guy great great phenomenal drummer so like you know and i had actually before i moved here i was playing with nelson rangel and we had done a show with uh tom scott we were on the same bill and johnny friday was playing drums so i had run into him before so i knew that he's this monster drummer and then i moved to la and like two months later i'm I'm sitting on the bandstand with him and i was a little intimidated anyways, but what a way to start your career in LA, you know, just, just trial by fire, you know,
1: <laughs> uh, that's the way to do it
0: uh, <laughs> for sure. So, so you moved to LA, what brought you out to LA?
1: Well, uh, I was kind of a, a our band in DC it was, it was kind of a big fish in a small pond. Uh, at the time I was together with Amy keys oh, and, cool. uh, And Amy got, uh, she got uh, a record contract and she got called to do uh, some side work on a movie. You know, not not a speaking role, but she just had a lot to do, a lot of walking and a lot of stuff. And so she thought it might be exciting to come out. So we moved out. Uh, I had about $500 after paying for a bunch of other stuff. I had about 500 bucks in my my car, (laughs) you know, and... (laughs) So what I did what anyone else with $500 in the car would do once they got to L.A. And I got a, mess, I got a messenger job. Uh, <laughs> that way, I, I got used to uh, getting around and, and knowing where everything is. And at night, I picked up a few gigs. Um, what was that? There was, it was a Legends of Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> have you ever played there before? No, huh? Okay. It's a, little, it's a, it's a jazz place that's on, on Hollywood Boulevard. And so uh, I played there at night. Now it was, about, I think, about $40 a night. And, uh, wow. and then I met a keyboard player named Karen Hernandez. And she basically uh, taught me every song known to mankind. I, I played with her for about, uh, off and off, about three years. And uh, she was very talented, knew how to accompany everybody, play any song in any key. And, and by the time I was done with her, I, I knew virtually the whole blue book. So uh, made those Chuck Wong gigs a little bit easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and you eventually, I mean, we're skipping ahead a lot, but uh, you were talking about Jay Leno, and, and for a good four years or so, 2002, 2006, you were the bass player for The Tonight Show, which is kind of a dream gig if you're in L.A. Was that something that oh. you had dreamed of being, or is it just something that fell in your lap and you just did it? Or
1: It was one of those things that fell in my lap. Um, it's so funny because when I was in college, I was, you know, uh, I was thinking about being a, a musician instead of going into med school. And of course, my, one of my mother's friends said, oh, yeah, sure, maybe you'll play on The Tonight Show. <laughs> 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 uh, but um, no, 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 it happened just by chance. What happened was, uh, and, and this show, this goes to show you, now we're talking about casuals. Um, I met a guy named Kevin Cloud, drummer. Uh, he and I clicked pretty well and uh, got to be good friends. He got a show with Howie uh, Mandel and called me for it. And so I played that. They didn't have any space. Uh, he was on Paramount and uh, they didn't have any space at Paramount. So they did the recording at NBC uh, at Studio One. Jay Leno's show was in Studio Two right across the hall. So I uh, got to be friends with Smitty uh, Dwayne, uh, Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drummer. Uh, uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Marvin, marvin's not the Wayne Smitty. Marvin, right, Smitty right, Smitty. right, right. Marvin, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, that show went under. Uh, I, I went back to play with Barry Madelow. Uh Barry did a show on the Tonight Show and uh, got a chance to say hi to everybody. And, and then we left uh, to go uh, to Milwaukee. Um, we had uh, we played we played uh, two shows and then we had uh, three days off and and so. At that time, the that album Barry had a whole lot of money. He had a private jet. He said, well, I'm going home. Anyone want to come home with me? And I was like, yeah, I need to wash my clothes. And so I went home. I walked okay. in the door, the phone rang. As soon as I walked in the door, the phone rang. And it was it was Kevin Dubanks. Wow. Had I not gotten on that plane, then uh, I would have missed the call. And there were, there were other people that were in line. And so I would have missed that call. Someone else would have gone. And I probably would have never gotten the gig. But I... I uh would not have been thought of had I not been on the higher Mandel show and and met Marvin and met Kevin and they had, had they knew me and they knew my play uh I would not have been on the higher Mandel show had it not been for this drummer. I would not have met that drummer had I not done the casual <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, so, so to answer your question about stuff falling into your lap uh yes, it fell on my lap. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and that was uh it's an interesting gig I, I remember at the time when you got it you were talking to me a little bit about it and how there's it's not only like the band leader you have to sort of please but the network is is, is very involved and there's kind of a lot of pressure was it kind it's of a, a high pressure gig
1: it's a political no it's not it's not the gig itself uh was it was enjoyable um uh, I didn't feel any pressure in it uh, at the time. I had a very good memory, you know. So yeah. uh, when I first got there, uh, uh, Kevin just said, "Here's a hundred songs. Learn these." And okay, I memorize that and learned learn the songs. Right. So it wasn't any playing pressure. It's it's knowing when to talk and when to keep your mouth shut. Uh, and TV is like that. TV is is uh is can be pretty cutthroat sometimes now now uh jay himself he he seemed like a very nice guy The other people that are around there that that seem like they're very nice people uh you have to be very careful and so uh i was told not to talk to anybody you know I was like, what do you mean don't talk to anybody that's crazy you know let pass someone in the hallways you say hello <laughs> you know <laughs> but uh I will say this, you know, in general, it was it was typical TV, um, but uh, the job itself was it was a wonderful experience. I loved that we made it of it, and um, that's all I can say because I'm under a non-disclosure. So,
0: gotcha, <laughs> understood. Can you talk about like the schedule? Was it a was it a is it a grueling oh, schedule? A on the daily?
1: Eric, I have more jealous bass players. Um, <laughs> But basically, it was, you know, we'd go in five days a week. Uh, typically, our call time was 10 o'clock. We'd film at 4, and then we'd go home. Sometimes our call time, our call time was 2 o'clock, and we'd film at 4 and go <laughs> home. Wow. Meanwhile, you know, you, you get all these residual checks. I remember complaining because I was getting so many residual checks. What am I going to do with all these checks? <laughs>
0: high-quality promises
1: yeah right 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 <laughs> it's, it serves me right that's, that's that's karma coming back to me right now it's like yeah you thought you were a hot shot here you go there's some COVID for you yeah count your checks now <laughs>
0: uh, wow and you also got to play with other guests and stuff and 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 artists and stuff did
2: don't yeah. You, yeah. you you
0: get to accompany a lot of awesome people? Like, who are some of your favorite people that you got to play with?
1: Uh, I guess the most memorable one was uh, Paparazzi. I never would imagine in, the, in any time in my entire life that I would be playing with Paparazzi. And so, wow. of course, I asked him if I could put him on my resume. My resume. <laughs> 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 it was like, he only played one song, but uh, you know. It, it was just just an amazing uh amazing episode in my life you know just just uh i'll tell you the most amazing most amazing episodes on Howie Mandel's show i met i played behind uh dolly park oh yeah the classiest woman i think i've ever met in my life just a sweet down-to-earth wonderful human being right and so we're talking about the uh, the music and she's She's saying, okay, well, we've got to figure out where we're going to cut it because you we know, you only have two minutes. So we can take out this son of a, And when you see her, especially live, your eyes immediately go down. They just <laughs> go down. And, um, and so, of course, she's wearing a low-cut thing, and, and, and she's, like, busting out all over. And so I'm looking, and she catches me looking. And if I could turn red, I would have. You know, <laughs> and, and she catches me looking and she looks at me and she goes enjoy while you can <laughs> and i said i love you <laughs> <laughs> no 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 yeah. she was a very down earth person um but yeah just working the tv shows you get a chance to pay behind a whole lot of different people and the whole thing was a wonderful experience um but you know, I uh, continue to have wonderful experiences. I mean, playing with Barry is a wonderful experience. You know, There's yeah. great musicians in the band. You know, uh, I remember I called you for that. It there was a, yeah, uh, it was between you and uh, uh, Reggie McBride, and uh, there was guy, Andrew Ford.
0: Oh, great bass player as well. Great guy. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the call. Anyways, just being in that, that circle of names right there is, is, is accomplishment enough, you know? <laughs>
1: oh, please. no, no, you, you, you deserve that, especially the way you sing. And I thought you would have been perfect for it. Uh, I think what happened was uh, they found a person that everybody was familiar with. And I guess they didn't know your name. So. Right, yeah.
0: Well, so, and you played upright on that as well, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so, so how does that work with the left-handed, upside-down situation? Is it just the same? You just turn it
1: over. Yeah, on the other side. Yeah, <laughs> on the other sense. side. <laughs> you know, um, and, and, it, and it's it's funny because uh, uh, I didn't initially play upright, and uh, I kind of fiddled around with it every once in a while, but it never never took it seriously. When I first auditioned for Barry Madelow, mm-hmm. Uh and uh, they asked, "Do you play upright?" And I said, "Yes." <laughs> you know, <laughs> can, can you sing? Y- yes. <laughs> you <know. laughs> so I immediately started working on it, working on it. You know, and uh, so uh, it, it, after a while, it became more natural. And you know, it's a different beat. You know, you, you play upright too. It's, it's yeah. a different kind of beat. So uh, your 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 forearms become, you know. Like rocks, and, 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 and you start to learn to listen to your tonation. Uh, it's a wonderful instrument. I dig, it. I dig it. You just can't carry it around, you know. Um, <laughs> right. But it's fun to play. It's fun yeah. to play. I did this video for Michael Bolton uh, A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Make. It was for Disney. Mm-hmm. And so they did a whole orchestra thing, and I was, uh, there, there were four bass players there. And uh, we're, we're Boeing, you know. And it's funny because we had music. Uh, we were actually just, we weren't actually playing the part. But they would turn off the background music. And you couldn't tell the difference. Everyone's playing their part. Everyone has the have music to play playing the part, you know.
2: Right.
1: Um, and so we get to the very end of the shooting. And they were going to do a pan out, you know, the, the, the boom uh, camera. And... So uh, they panned out. They panned out with the bases. And then all of a sudden, the, the director says, wait a minute. Cut, cut. You. <laughs> you know, what are you doing? I'm like, i have been to I've been stay because everyone's standing, you know, on the right side of the base. I'm standing on the left side. They're, they're pulling. I'm pushing. You know, we're going in the same direction, but they you know, you still don't notice it. And it was at the end of the day, and it's like, oh, you know. It's I was like, why did they send this guy here? You know, like, I'm, I'm sorry. I, they they, they called bass players. I'm a bass player. You know, it's like everything was working fine until they did the pan. You
0: know? <laughs> wow. That's a great story. Well, I'm, full disclosure, I'm going to tell you the truth. I got the call. You said, do you play upright? You didn't tell me who the artist was, but I had a feeling. I, that day, went and bought an upright. And, and I started, <laughs> <laughs> and I started practicing just, just like, you're, just like uh-huh. you said, just like, do you play upright? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I have it sitting here actually to this day. And I, I keep it, I try to keep it in the way all the mm-hmm. time. So if I'm walking past, I have to play it, you know, so I've been uh-huh. working on it ever since. And that was, shoot, that was probably six years ago. The last time, uh, that 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 you had called me for that or something. So so I guess that's uh, Oh, hilarious. So, so I did I didn't get the gig, but thanks to that call, I have an upright and I've I've been working on it and I I can offer up those skills and the you know it's yeah, a, there you go. It's it's an important opportunity regardless, you know. So uh,
1: no no it's it's, it's vital it's vital as far as far as being a side man if you if you, it sets you apart, what sets you apart. Being a side man is is being able to play upright, and uh, you're reading, of course, mm-hmm. and um, being able to learn stuff quickly. I think one of the reasons why I I would get so many jobs and people seemed to be pretty happy with what I was doing is because I, I I wouldn't go on the on the gig reading their stuff. Uh, let's mm-hmm. say if I subbed for somebody, uh, by the time I got in there, I knew I knew the show, and so they they felt that. It, by your memorizing the show, you're, you're showing your appreciation for them. You're taking them seriously, as opposed to saying, well, just give me the music and I'll play it. You know, so, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those are important things. It's aside.
0: assignment. So there are a lot of us out of work right now, uh, waiting to get back to playing shows and touring. And I know I've had to do whatever I can do to take my mind off the situation from time to time. And one of the ways to pass the time is to catch up on some books you've missed. But if you're like me and you don't love to read, (laughs) there's another way you can consume. Audible.com has thousands of titles to choose from, including audiobooks about music production, songwriting, the music business, music theory, instructional audiobooks, and biographies of your favorite musical heroes. But besides audiobooks, you can also listen to podcasts, theatrical performances, A-list comedy, and exclusive audio originals you won't find anywhere else. Right now, you can get a free 30-day trial if you visit audibletrial.com/divebarrockstar. That's audibletrial.com/divebarrockstar and you can catch up on your audio reading. I'd like to take a second to thank you for listening to the Dive Bar Rockstar podcast. As a new podcast, getting the word out is a vital part of what it takes to keep the show on the road, uh, or off the road, as the current case may be. If you would like to support the podcast, all you got to do is subscribe wherever you listen, and if you have an extra minute or two, please leave a review. You can also share and follow the podcast on your social media apps. Okay, enough begging. I hope you're having fun, and once again, thank you for listening. Well, let's talk about your record. You got a new record out. It came out the yes. fifteenth, called String Theory. This is yes. Yes. Cool and uh, it's really, it's really great. I love it. I've been listening to oh. it, for, oh. you know, for the last week. So, where did you record it? Was that in the states or? Did-
1: that was that was a that was a COVID project. Ah. So. Uh, Pretty much everything was done in the box. Um, I did recording course on, on my computer and uh, I will call people up and ask them to send me files and uh, if, if there is a time, there is a studio that's here, and it didn't open up until a, bit, a little bit later. so I was able to get some guitar in. The drums were done by uh, uh, Joey Malati, who has a studio in Las Vegas, and so uh, uh, the drummer for Barry Manilow happened to be in Las Vegas, and so they did the recording there. They sent me the files, and uh, I, you know I chopped up whatever I could, needed to chop up, and and then uh, gave it to a mixing guy out here, and uh, boom shaka <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah you know i i I really wanted to do it the old-fashioned way and everyone get it to the studio and and knock it out and and there was just no way to do it Uh, all the studios were closed and people were separated and i couldn't get out of uh, italy and actually that's still kind of a problem here i can get into the united states without any problem it's getting back out (laughs) yeah right so that's what the album that's how the album got put together and uh, I, I you know, i so grateful for for all the input that you know everyone everyone um uh gave me great great stuff and um a lot of times they had, a, they had to play in the box too they had to you know just you know they had a little home studio and and, and uh, they did the best they could and sent me what they had.
0: So how how long yeah. had you been working on the the material? Is that all just written within since March? it,
1: it was written pretty quickly. It was written pretty quickly. It's not that they like didn't have a lot of time. <laughs> you know, I, I had a couple of ideas, uh, a few ideas that, that were sitting around, sitting around, and uh, since we had all the time off, I had a chance to, to uh, listen to it and, and revise it, and, and then uh, you know write up the charts. So yeah, yeah, I guess it all got all ten songs got written in about three months.
0: So you're, you have to sit down and, and write songs, if that's the case. You can't just sit around and wait for inspiration. So it was really a, a crafted record.
1: Well, yeah, it, it, was, uh, it was a thing where, where it took me out of the moment. You know, um, it gave me the opportunity to, to appreciate the fact that, that we are musicians and we are creative. And, 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 and typically, I think that you probably feel the same way. It's like music has a way of... of uh, putting you into, into a bubble. You know, I think all you know, musicians, all of us are in a certain bubble. Um, and so uh, the playing was like therapy and the writing's like therapy. And, and uh, the, the more I wrote, the more I, I didn't like it. And I rearranged it. And, and then finally came something that I felt comfortable with. And it, it, you know, sometimes you, you write something and you think it needs to fit into a certain genre. And I got to the point, at my age, I figured I need to stop doing that. You know, just just play with what comes to mind. And play it in the way that you want to play it, you know, and without the restrictions or anything like that. I have a lot of experience in smooth jazz. and Smooth jazz has certain parameters you have to hold on to in, in, in order for it to be, get airplayed. Uh, and I I just, you know, broke a lot of those rules, uh, especially with vocals, you know? Yeah. And I I did, I did the vocals. It's just, uh, I am afraid to sing, you know? And so I decided that I was going to sing. I was afraid of of what people would think about my voice. And so that's Uh what made me say, go ahead and do it, do it, you know? Yeah. Uh, Yeah you have to learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, you have to, to, uh, uh, expand your horizons and, and, and accept and accept criticism, except no, not everyone's going to like the album. Not everyone's going to like my voice. You know, some people are going to laugh at it. So what, you know, don't take it personally, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah. don't take yourself so seriously, you know? So, so, uh, I did, uh, five, Five vocal songs
0: of here. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> it's not what I expected when I when I got the tracks in the email. I was like, wow, this is and it's super cool, man. I mean, I think you have a great voice. Wow. And and also like the melodies come out. You know, it's like you're not one of the singers that's just gonna be, you know, belting and improving and stuff, but everything's constructed really well. <laughs> you know, and that's <laughs> because I can't. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean you found a great tone and you wrote a great melody and you wrote a great lyric and what else is there? You know, it's uh it's really it's really beautiful.
1: Oh, thank you, man. Thank you so much. I I i, I agree with that. It's it's um uh you know, Kev Moe said something to me a, a long time ago. When I when I first joined Kev Moe, um I'm setting myself up. He comes up and sticks a mic in front of me. And I said, um uh, well, I, I, uh, I, don't, I don't sing. He goes, yes, you do. I was like, that's a no, no Kevin, I'm not a singer. Yes, you are. <laughs> 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 and, but he said, um, he said no, everybody sings. Everybody sings. Um, so if you just sing and, and sing what comes to your heart, sing it in a way that's honest, people will understand it. I mean don't don't try to do something that you you know don't try to be somebody you know don't try to sound like Luther you know don't try to you know don't try right. just let it come out yeah um and I think he was absolutely right about that you know um there isn't a person on the planet who does not sing unless you don't have a voice at all uh and you know Mick Jagger can make a living doing it <laughs> you know Bob Dylan can make a living. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the list goes on and on.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shall I continue? <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, that's funny.
1: Well, it's interesting right. too. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> well, it's interesting too because I think you get caught up in the LA sort of the competitive nature of this town and and uh I I could imagine that you don't want to if singing isn't your strong suit, you don't want to even think about putting it forward you just want to put your best stuff all the time and I wonder if like moving like now you live in Italy most of the time right or some of the time and I wonder if just getting out of LA and, and at, out of the intensity that it is and having a career that's a little more established now w- it, you were able to relax and just open your mind to stuff you know?
1: yeah, I think you're right I think you're right um, I mean Kev, Kev Mo helped a lot you know I, I sang a lot, a lot of background with Kev um, but, uh, when I came to Italy, they, to tell you the truth, they don't know, they don't know what, if, you know, if you're a good singer or a bad singer to see that you're, 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 you're a black guy. <laughs> and so it was a little bit easier to sing, uh, sing in public and, and, you know, lead a band and sing, you know, a front people were a little bit more accepting of it. Right. Uh, you know, as opposed to LA or, or Atlanta where you have some, some, killer singers and you open your mouth and You if you don't come correctly then you know that's right. your reputation right yeah right yeah. it's like yeah he plays bass okay but don't let him sing <laughs> 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 yeah.
2: yeah I hope you don't mind my giving you a call maybe get a chance to talk to you Don't mind my stopping by To pick up my clothes And my shoes I'm not asking you to forgive me I'm not asking you to to try To understand I'll always love you With all my heart Every part. But I'm just a man I should have acted more my age And I guess I should have been more engaged And I don't know why I went out with your friend I don't know, I don't And I don't know why I didn't get
0: Well, I also uh, like in dreams and with you tonight. There's a lot of fretless stuff too, which I don't, I don't think I've ever heard you do. Is that a new thing, or is that just?
1: No, no, no. I, I, uh, uh, I typically don't don't play them on gigs because uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, fretless. You know, it's a very tricky animal. You mm-hmm. know, you. you one wrong move, one little teeny tiny move, and and all of a sudden you're out of tune, and and uh, it just it just throws you off. Yeah. But um, uh, I figured you might as well do something different. You know, it's funny. Um, everybody, you know, bass players usually when they put out their own album, everyone tries to sound like um, like Marcus Miller or Raymond Tinsdale. You know, it's just it's mm-hmm. it's a lot of popping and stuff like that. And and of course, yeah, I, I kind of went that way too, but. But just wanted to introduce something else. Just another another thing, and I think the uh, I think uh, uh, fretless has a beautiful tone. It has, it has it's a It's very versatile bass. So it's a lot of fun to play. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's yeah, it's beautiful, and it's, yeah, uh, it's not fun for me. I'm I'm a little I'm, I'm so obsessed with the tuning too. It's just uh, it drives me nuts a little bit. So, oh, doesn't uh, it? <laughs> so, oh. so to hear you play it so great, it was like okay, I need to I need to work on my chops some more again. <laughs> and, oh, and,
1: and now that oh, I have oh, the oh, time, it's, it's, yeah, we have plenty of time for that. But no, trust <laughs> me, you had a lot of not auto tune here and there. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it, it, it's a tricky. I, I I admire guys who can play that instrument and and make it sound good and make it sound in tune and, and not even look at the fretboard. You know, just uh, that is, that to me is just amazing. Uh, Yeah. And
0: it's the thing that, it's the thing that makes it so expressive is that you do have that freedom of, uh, you know, winding up to notes or whatever, but it's also the thing that makes it just a horrible instrument to try and play.
1: (laughs) Oh, 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 the mistakes are just disastrous. I
2: Um,
1: I remember years ago, when I first got it. I I took it to a guy. I was so excited, you know, so I've, I've shedded on it for a little while, felt that I was pretty good at it, you know, and took it to a gig. <laughs> uh, it was it was just, what a mess, what a mess, you know, because, and plus I was reading. So I'm I'm looking at the paper and I was like, what, what tone am I playing? It's just like a, you know, I'm like a, yeah. just a quarter tone off all the time. You know, so.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: it's frustrating times now days too, that there's no liner notes. So pardon some of my questions just because normally you could just look and see, but, uh, so string theory, super funky, so great. And, uh, so who's playing guitar on that? Are you playing the guitars and stuff or?
1: No, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm not that ostentatious. I mean, <laughs> um, uh, that's, uh, Morris O'Connor, uh, plays working in the Fire and, oh. uh, Dell Daryl Crooks. Oh, he's out of
0: Daryl. Oh yeah, I know
1: Daryl.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah, it's it's funny because uh, what happened was I I sent I sent a track to Daryl by mistake. I meant to send it to Morris, <laughs> and so by the time I by the time I told Daryl, Daryl had already finished it. I mean, he Daryl he's very efficient guy, you know. So he <laughs> he he went in there and knocked it out. Now, I gave him a few tunes. He knocked all the tunes out and and he gave me like multiple tracks for him and. And uh, so I sent him, I sent him an email. I said, you know, to, to put, put a hold on string theory. I, you know, I made a mistake. I, uh, I meant for Morris O'Connor to do it. And By that time, you know, he'd already done the tracks. And so I, I added Morris and then realized the two of them. They play off each other. The two of them, you know, the styles, the, the funk styles are very similar, but then again, you know, they had their own niche. And yeah. so, uh, you know, it's, it's just great. It was great.
0: That's yeah. so cool. Those are those happy accidents that happen during production.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was not disappointed with it at all. You know, I thought it was just like you know. I'm so glad both of them are doing it. It was meant yeah. to be.
0: I had a feeling one of those was Daryl. It sounds he's so funky.
1: Yeah,
0: one of my favorite guitar players.
1: Yeah, sometimes you have to calm them down. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's oh. true.
0: And it shifts gears into some bluesy, just laying it down, funky stuff. You know, very kind of Otis Redding, Bill Withers, very cool. Where did the inspiration for that come from?
1: That's Kev Mo. Yeah, that's Kev Mo. You know, he, uh, I, I love him like a brother. He's he's kind of like my guru. And uh, one thing that, that that. he told me was to, um, you know, keep it simple, and keep it simple. You know, you, you look at you look at people who um, who have really great skills, and, and they they, they uh, their biggest hits. Let's say like Stevie Wonder. What is he's written all kinds of great stuff. What is his number one hit?
0: Uh, I just called to say.
1: Called to say I love it. Right? <laughs> wow. Sting, Sting wrote. Incredible stuff. What was his number one hit?
0: Uh, you got me on that one.
1: Every move you yes. make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, keep it simple. You know, yeah. so it's just one of those things where I just wanted to wanted to uh, express that kind of feeling. And, and also, as far as the lyrics are concerned, it just, that had something to do with the whole thing that was going on with all of a sudden not having any work and. and and I'm, I'm sitting in the press worrying about the future. And it's like, well, not, why, what are you worried about? But why worry about this? The worry is not, gonna, not going to uh, help anything. And, and if you back up and you look at the whole picture, everything is wonderful. Life has been wonderful for you. You, you got some savings. Just be creative and, and be grateful, you know? Yeah. So uh, that's, what, that's what it came out.
2: That's great. Uh, It might seem a little crazy Talking to you like you know me But I got a lot of things to say And before I let you go away Let me tell you about my life It hasn't been easy Sometimes I get so
0: This is your first shot at writing lyrics?
1: Uh, oh, uh, no, I've written them before. No, but uh, this is the first time I've actually had this, have something like this, this kind of project where I'm, I'm writing for myself and writing to this extent, you know. And it's a fun thing to do. It's fun to, to, to think of words and, and make the words work together, you know. It's, yeah, it's, yeah,
0: uh, so you mentioned like um, gigs in Italy. So you have a band there that you're playing this stuff out? And performing these songs and stuff
1: uh no no at this point no uh i have friends that are out here um the, the guy who plays sax on on i don't know why uh his name is uh johnny vancini
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and uh he ha- uh, just happened to live next uh, close by uh, uh i did i did some work on his album years ago when i was in la and uh when i got here Someone said, uh, do you remember this guy, Johnny Vanchini, that you played for? I said, yeah, I think I remember him. When well, he lives about 20 minutes away from you, <laughs> like, I don't believe ah, it. So, wow. So we play together a lot. So we have kind of a smooth jazz thing happening. Uh, I have a blues trio, and uh, that's about it. And I have a good friend of mine that I play with, and we, we just play whenever we can.
0: Well, that's cool. Well, it's a great record, man. Congratulations.
1: Ah, oh, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on, and and mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's like one of those things where I don't I, I don't really care so much about it. It's selling. It's more of a uh, just kind of expression, something that you have to get out. You know, something you yeah. have to say, and uh, it felt good saying it. It's like you get tired of 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 trying to fit yourself into a box or playing. You know, things exactly the way somebody expects you to play them. It's like okay, you no, know, like you said, you know, you all. We do a blue song. You won't do the blue song. It's like, well, it's supposed to be a smooth jazz album. It's like, no, it's not. You know. Yeah. I do like a little R and B thing. It's like, well, it's the, what is that? This you know, this is kind of dated. So like, yeah, it's dated. <laughs> you know, so what?
0: <laughs> right. And I noticed too this um this record, like you're you have another record out called Connection, and it's a lot more sort of chop oriented and uh, you know, mm-hmm it's great record as well, but a different kind of record. Really. It's more about the playing where this is more about the groove and the vibe and the lyrics. And, uh, was that a conscious
1: choice? Oh, absolutely. man, Absolutely. I think, um, a lot of times, you know, people spend a lot of time, uh, showing the prowess and, and that's fine. I think it's great. You know. but, but right. sometimes you want you want to ask, well, how does, how does that make you feel? How does that music make you feel? What, what does it make you think about, um, uh, and my my thing at this point is is to make myself happy, but to make other people happy. That's that's our job as musicians anyway. We we take people and we move them away from from what they're thinking of, and you know we try to make them happy.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's funny too because you know I've I can't I've come from jazz and smooth jazz, and now I'm playing with a country artist, and I kind of went through some pop music on the way, and it's like everything I do keeps getting simpler and simpler and, and just down to the more emotional and more emotional and less, less technical. And it might be just a product of aging as well. You know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no. I think, you know, I think, I think it's a great path. It's a great path. And country, I love country music. You know, I, I love Nashville. If you go to Nashville and, and have you seen those musicians out there? Oh I yeah. Mean, just, it's yeah. crazy. And the, the writing means something, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not talking about the guys who, who you know, sing about beer and pickup trucks. I mean, I'm talking about the people who, who write songs, you know, and there's yeah. so many of them there that, that write great, great songs, you know. Um, and uh, I think country lends itself to that, you know, where where it's not so much um, what's being played, the chorus being played. It's, it's what, the lyrics are talking about and how the person is presenting. So yeah, uh, I I think it's a good thing. And plus your job, your job gets easy. You can can do your taxes while you play. I mean,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, honestly, the Dwight gig was the hardest gig for me to learn though, because when you have so few chords compared to, keiko Matsui or lee rittenauer or something there's a million chords in some of those songs it's almost easier mm-hmm. because there's something to grab onto when you only have three chords and all the songs have the same three chords it's like where does that four chord come you know that's harder mm-hmm. to memorize in a way than you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's it, it it was hard it was a lot harder than i thought it would, would be
1: as far as the, as far as the format of the song it, uh, yeah followed. i think
0: Yeah. Is this the song where the four comes after four? Oh, yeah. Is this this the bridge where the four or is the one? You know, it's just there's so few things that you're dealing with. Everything starts to mesh together in your head. And and Mm -hmm. it really becomes about the melody. Uh, So, and, you know, a lot of times you rehearse, you know, without the artist at first because, you know, Dwight doesn't need to be there rehearsing his own songs. And without having that melody there, it's really hard to remember what chord to go to, you know. So, it was a, it was a really it kicked my butt. I I'm, I'm, I'm not I didn't like assume it was going to be easy, but at the same time it it's surprisingly difficult. You know, you'd think oh, it's just three chords, but uh no, it's it's a thing. It's it's a lot to it, you know.
1: Oh, no, I can relate to that. I know exactly what you're talking about. I've been in that situation and and what's even worse is like let's say if if the person—it's a simple song. The person stops singing the melody, and there's a there's a, a, a guitar solo, and all of a sudden uh-huh. you start playing another song, <laughs> <laughs> you know? and everyone's looking at you. You're like and you're like what? <laughs> you know?
0: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I imagine that you probably run into a little bit with uh, of that with Keb Mo. Cause it's, he's a, a blues guy. I mean, he's got, he's on the other hand. Well, and s- same with Dwight, I guess, but he has some more complicated, you know, charts and, and that's, what's kind of awesome about Mo. really. He's got these, some songs are very modern pop songs and then others are just straight up Delta blues. But even with that blues yeah. stuff, it gets confusing sometimes cause like they have weird forms sometimes and it's not always just a straight 12 bar thing.
1: Exactly. It, 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 a lot of the stuff changes. And he changes it as he goes. You know, uh, he's one of those guys you have to watch. And he's gotten to the point now where you know we we know each other so much we 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 think alike. You know, I I, I can tell where he wants to go, and so I know how he sets up his chords. I don't know where you know, and and he may he may stay on an A section longer than usual. You know, or he may just you know stay on the A section. He's talking to the audience. And all of a sudden, go to the B section, you know. But if you play with him long enough, you can see, you could, a lot of little indicators, you know, let you know where you're going to go.
0: And he's got a really big catalog, too. Is it, uh, do you have to just know all that? Is he calling songs or do you have a pretty set set list every night?
1: We have a, a we, yeah, yeah, we try to. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Changes his mind a lot. He expects us to know uh, a lot of what he does, you know, and so. He wants to feel comfortable, he's not demanding or anything like that. He's one of the sweetest guys in the world, but he, he expects you to, to know him, you know and, and so he'll, he'll I think he gave us like maybe 40 songs that he really likes, and it's like, okay, well we have to at least be familiar with those. So if he decides at the last minute, you know someone calls, calls a, a, a song out and he just decides to do it, you know got to be kind of familiar with it. Um, and that would happen a lot. And, you know, the thing is, I, I like his songs, you know, so it wasn't, it wasn't like it was a chore. I right. would listen to his stuff. If I had any problem, I'd look at him he, and he knew me well enough to know what, what Matt Panic look, looked like. <laughs> and he you know, he'll sing a song and just go to the flat three. <laughs> <You> know, <so laughs> he just very quickly let me know where to go. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. That's cool. Yeah, what a great gig. I played a lot of blues in Denver before I got to la so uh, uh, you know you have these within the blues community there's some purists and traditionalists that never want anything to be different and then there's you know i was always more like the robin ford or the bonnie raid or the keb mo Um, and uh, i really love that he kind of is a master of both because he's he'll do the straight up like i said like a delta blues thing but then he's got some really cool like pop tunes. And it sounds like a really fun gig.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. And he's good at Americana. I mean, he understands it. He understands what the blues are, uh, what the blues are are there to express. And so he, he has the look, he has the persona. So it's beautiful, you know, and and he gets up on that stage and, and he, he uh, is very warm and, and, you know, how y'all doing? And, uh, it's like he, he brings people to him. He says, hi, hi, come, come on up here. Come come on, stay here. So plenty of space. Everyone come on right here, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, so it's a good time. Always a good time.
0: That's great. Well, I have to give you a big thank you because, you know, you were one of the first people I met when I came to LA and, uh, you gave me a call on a Tuesday night. One night I remember very well. I need a sub for Keiko Matsui. Uh, on like the saturday so i remember meeting you at a gas station late at night getting all the charts working my ass (laughs) off i memorized the whole show before saturday just because i'm like i don't want to blow it you know and uh that ended up eventually becoming the next 12 years of my life you know and and that became a, a pretty huge career you know for me and all over the world and stuff so um i really appreciate getting that call how did you enjoy working with keiko
1: Nice eye candy. <laughs> <laughs> I had a thing for Keiko. She was so cute. You know, what are you doing with this guy, Cosmo, anyway? You know? <laughs> um, no, no, no. She's, she's a great person. And uh, see, I, I saw her. I think I did one of Dave Cosgroves when she was there. And she plays now. I mean, she, there's a certain freedom that she has now you know before everything was very structured, you know you, you played the song pretty much the same way your solos almost the same way every night. Yeah. Now it's like you know, I think I'm gonna be herbie tonight and she go. you know? it's like yeah. I love that. you know different person altogether.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're referring to her ex-husband, Kazu, who was, he was kind of the boss. Like when I first got there, he was still there, obviously. And uh, he was the boss, the producer, and he he did most of the talking. She would have her, even her speeches were rehearsed, you know, and then he yeah. would come out at the end and do the the real talking. And uh, yeah, it was a different vibe. I was there, you know, I was, obviously I was on the gig when they were divorced and just got to watch her. Just blossom as this player that we're like, what? Oh, that's how it's gonna be now? Great, <laughs> you know. Oh, we're gonna actually just have moments musically and like, you know, be here in the same space and and play music.
1: Uh, it was... right, right, right. What a novel concept! You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: <laughs> but did you uh... get along well with? Kazu. I mean, I still got along with Kazu. It was, yeah, yeah. It was a different kind of thing, and yeah. he was a funny guy, you know. But uh, it was a very heavy-handed kind of
1: thing. No, I thought he was fine. You know, uh, we had a falling out when I got the Tonight Show gig because we we. Was that, when I, that was when I called you, wasn't it?
0: No, 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 no. no. Um, you were working with Mindy Abear and I'm not sure.
1: Okay, I don't. Okay, remember. yeah, because I I had a summer tour for, with her. And then in that February, uh the Tonight Show came up. And so I called him and I told him that I wouldn't be able to make out for the make it for the summer tour. And he says, uh, no, Stan, you say you're going to play summer, you will play summer. am like a, but I just got a job with the tonight show. I'm sure you I, I'm sure you understand. He didn't understand. <laughs> so we had a falling out. Got you. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Which happens, and those are some of the decisions you got to make, you know, as a as a working guy in L.A. That was a lot for me to get used to sometimes, too. I never had The Tonight Show come up. Not yet, though, you know. Y- you went on to do The Tonight Show. Um, uh, Jonathan Dressel was the drummer. He went on to do The Jimmy Kimball Show. So I keep waiting for my show. Like, when is my show
1: coming? That's why you come. time will come. <laughs> oh, man.
0: So are, you, are yeah. you still... I mean, just real quick. Are you still... like? COVID hit Italy the worst. What part of Italy are you in? First of all,
1: uh, I'm in Venice. I'm in a place oh, called wow. Moyano. It's, uh, the mainland of Venice. Wow. Cool. And, uh, yeah. We're in the thick of it. Yeah. So it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful place. I love it.
0: So is it recovering now or is it still, still a mess or?
1: Uh, we had another spike. Oh yeah. And, and the thing is, we have to be kind of careful here because we have a, a, a huge older population. Um, okay. uh, and, and initially, I, I think everyone here, fortunately, uh, they, they follow the rules and, and everyone's masked up. You know, you go into a store and, and everyone has to wear a mask. You know, there's no question about it. Um, one thing about the culture here as well, and that's because of the, the, the spread so earlier, earlier this year, is that when, when people meet each other, they, they kiss each other. They you know, kiss on each other with each cheek and people right. are very close, very touchy, you know. You um, mm-hmm. share food. Yeah, so so it's kind of hard to change the customs. and But uh, uh, we will make the food. We'll be okay. You know, right. it's just a matter of uh, everyone staying on top of it. And, yeah. And uh, there's another strain that's coming out. and We're going to be battling this thing for a while. But I think the vaccine, you know, like you said before, uh, the, the vaccine probably serves as the light at the end of the tunnel, and uh, couldn't happen sooner. I mean, I just, I just hope we can get this thing distributed, and get a handle on it, and so we can all get back to work, and everyone can have a normal life, and and our old people won't be threatened. You know? Yeah. Right. Right. I had a friend of mine who said, uh, "Well, uh, the people who who are dying, you know, they're, they're people who have you know conditions and just old people," and I'm like, "So believe me." Just old. people. One day, if you're lucky, you're going to be an old person.
0: Yeah?
1: <laughs> it's like life. Life is precious to, to be able to live and breathe and be and exist in this this amazing thing. You know, it's the amazing thing that you are actually here. You know, uh, you're sitting. You're sitting on this rock that's going around in a circle, a thousand miles an hour, that's traveling through space just a little under light speed, and and you're here. You know, so, so life is precious, no matter how old somebody is. You
0: know, you should respect it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, anyway, man, but thank you for that, and thank you for being so cool when I got here and, and, and throwing me some gigs and getting me started. And thanks for coming on my show, and, and um, it's been so great hanging out with you, man.
1: Oh, man, likewise. And the thing is, I mean, you're such a, such a great player, man. Great singer, great player. And it's like a, it, it, It's a feather in my cap. You know, when, when I say, hey, you got you to gotta check out this guy, Eric Baines. You know, so mm-hmm. it, it, you, you're, kinda, you're doing me a favor.
0: <laughs> uh, well, thanks a lot, man. It's so interesting. Fat strings on the bottom. That's a very confusing thing to new students, I find, when I'm, if I'm teaching them, because you're saying, no, go down in notes, but you're actually going up in the physical space. So it, 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 he's totally right, it doesn't make any sense. It makes more sense the way he does it. He literally just turns the bass over, he plays left-handed and upside down. Which, you know, same as another guest on on our podcast, Bill Cinque plays the same way. I guess, I don't know, maybe I'm gonna start trying it. I really like what he was saying about learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Because I think it's the most important thing to progressing kind of at anything i think you know change is always scary and uncomfortable but learning is change you know what you know now when you learn more stuff you will be a different person i think it's a weird human instinct to fight against change because it's not only just the only constant on the planet but it's also uh kind of the only way forward it's the only way to get anywhere i really had to embrace that uncomfortable feeling when it when it came to uh approaching musicians at a bar that I had never met before, or like moving away from my friends and family, or taking gigs with players that were really intimidating. And that's what happens once you move to the big city, obviously. I was so scared to do casuals when I first arrived here, especially after that Chuck Wansley experience. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I would easily take a week-long gig at a bar for 75 bucks a night before I would take a, a casual on a Saturday, but I'm so glad that I did because it made me a better player. And when it comes to the reading too, it's it's kind of a hard thing to to learn sitting in your practice room. You kind of have to throw yourself into the fire. And the Chuck Wansley gig was that for me. It was just me showing up and and just holding on for dear life. <laughs> and I do think there's a line. I don't think you want to say yes to stuff if you don't read at all, because then your career could end before it ever gets started, you know? But, um, but I definitely think I, I always try to push myself and, and keep myself in situations that are uncomfortable and eventually you get used to them and then you move on to the next uncomfortable stuff. And that's how you sort of conquer your way through music and and life. I think anyways, that's how I've done it. He mentioned the blue book and how he had learned all the songs in the blue book. And I searched and searched and searched and I couldn't find a link or anything to get a copy of it. But basically it's a book full of songs and there's every page has two songs on it. So they're really short kind of lead sheets of jazz standards and and any kind of wedding um, uh, Music that you would need. So, if anyone knows how to get a hold of one, um, email me at fanmail at divebarrockstar dot com or on Facebook or whatever, and let me know because I'd be happy to pass it along. I think it's one of those things you you come to L A. and you you sort of figure out how to acquire it. I also have a PDF version that's on my iPad. Um, but it's kind of a a bummer to navigate when you're in the midst of a gig and it's it's really intense. So anyway, if no anyone knows how to get a hold of one, uh let me know. And I said vocabulary earlier when I was talking about moving to LA and not knowing the songs, but what I meant was repertoire, not necessarily vocabulary. Each city has its own repertoire. And also the sound cut out in a moment when we were talking about how long it took him to uh, make his record. And all the songs were written in about three months, in case you couldn't understand that. So there it is. Let's just call this season one. 29 episodes. Um, It's a weird place to stop, I think, but I thought if I went to 30, I might might stop for longer. At 29, it just, it begs to be finished. So I hope everybody has enjoyed listening and I want to send a huge thank you out to all of the guests who have participated in this podcast. It obviously would not be possible without them. And I hope everybody stays safe in these crazy COVID times and I hope you have a really safe New Year's Eve. And I can't wait to talk to you in 2021. So happy new year. And we'll talk to you soon. I hope you had a great time.
2: Dive Bar Rockstar.
0: Wow, you've made it to the end. I'm hoping it's because you completely enjoyed yourself and are now filled with knowledge and inspiration to move forward with your dreams. If that is the case, and you would like to stay informed of new episodes, live events, and general news, please go to divebarrockstar.com and sign up for the mailing list. If you have any questions, comments, corrections, or complaints about anything you hear on the show, please email me at fanmail at divebarrockstar.com, and you may even end up on the show. We at the Dive Bar Rockstar podcast, with all of our hearts, thank you for listening, and remember, it's all about dreams.